For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Host, Chelsea Messenger. You can find me every day on Twitter. My handle is just my name, at Chelsea Messenger, if you want to send me a comment. Also, check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube, where we stream the show live every weekday, 1 Pacific, 4 Eastern, if you want to check us out that way. Or drop us a comment, a line, uh, give us some feedback on the show. We really appreciate it. Or join the chat on Facebook during the show. It usually gets a little heated on there when it comes to football. Uh, we've got a great show for you guys on this Monday, August the 19th. The summer is really flying by. Uh, Monday night football tonight. I know it's preseason football, but it's still Monday night football. It should be a good one. We're previewing the Broncos and the 49ers, and no one is nearly as excited for this game as probably 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he hasn't played in game action in 11 months. The 49ers quarterback, of course, uh, tore his ACL last season. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said he is expected to play, quote, a little bit. Not sure what that means entirely. Maybe one series, uh, maybe two. We'll see since the O-line uh, for the 49ers is a little banged up. And Von Miller is playing for the Broncos. So could be some trouble brewing there for that offensive line. Uh, Joe Flacco also expected to play for the Broncos. Also on today's show, we're talking college football opening weekend with Craig Trapp. Uh, we've got Nevada and Purdue. Purdue's actually playing at Nevada to open the season. And also Virginia Tech at Boston College, a big ACC matchup there. And finally, we're talking our daily major league baseball games. We're talking about pitching depth. We're talking about bullpen. We're talking about all the factors you should consider uh, when betting tonight's games. As I said, a great show for you guys today. Uh, plenty to get to. Obviously, we always like, like talking about football, and that is first on the docket on today's show. After the break, we're talking preseason football. Tonight's big Monday night football matchup. We're back after the break on Picks and Parlays Radio. And we are back here on Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. I'm your host, Chelsea Messenger. You can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and iHeartRadio. We are on all of those platforms if you want to check us out. Right now, let's get to some Monday night football. I know it's the preseason, but it's still pretty fun to talk about Monday night football. We've got Tony T joining us to talk about the Broncos. And the 49ers, Tony T, are you excited for this one? Or do you think it's still preseason and we shouldn't be excited? It is, it is. It's still a puzzle to figure out the games because we handicap against the spread. So there's, there's financial interest, no doubt, and it makes it exciting for us in this industry, Chelsea. 
So uh, Monday Night Football, 49ers and Broncos. Now, the line opened with Denver favorite two and a half, but we've seen money come in on the uh, 49ers. Uh, Denver now uh, down to a one-point favorite. Total open 42 and a half. We're seeing 41s and 40 and a halfs in some place right now. So we're seeing a little bit of movement here, uh, Chelsea, to the 49ers and under the total. Why do you think that is? I, 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 I know why... I know why the total is going under. It's because we're seeing this as a trend for teams that are conducting these joint practices. They seem to know each other's schemes more, and uh, we're seeing the games fall under. Of course, the unders came in nine to nine and six uh, this week. A little bit of overreaction, I think, in those higher totals this week from from the week one when we saw higher scoring. But I, I can't figure out why the line is moving on the 49ers in this one. I, I, I'm scratching my head. So it's moving towards the 49ers, you said. Yeah, money, it's, yeah, Denver opened two and a half. It's now down to Denver minus one. So money coming on the 49ers. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned some of those joint practices and how we can kind of get a look at how some of these teams match up and how they read the schemes. Jimmy Garoppolo, I saw on Twitter, he had five interceptions in five passing attempts in a row, which obviously we know it's practice. I know not to read into it too much. But tonight is Jimmy G's uh, return to the field. Uh, for the first time in game action in 11 months. What do you expect from him and the 49ers offense? Well, you know, Jimmy G coming in, I, uh, as you said in the open there, he'll see limited action. I think he won't do a whole lot other than hand the ball off and really make short passes. I think Jimmy G here, they're kind of pointing to week three, the dress rehearsal for Jimmy G. I think uh, he's just going to take some snaps from center, try to feel this, get accustomed to the speed of the game so he'll be ready for that week three dress rehearsal next week against Kansas City. Uh, there is a bit of a quarterback battle going on for the number two spot. Uh, C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. Uh, sometimes when we see these quarterback battles going on, even if it's for the number two spot, uh, the offense is a little more aggressive. Do you see that happening with the 49ers tonight? Well, you know, they were more aggressive last week. 39 uh, throws, 20 rushing attempts, but now they're on the road. So I think it may be a little bit more balanced here. Beathard, Nick Mullins, uh, I, I don't trust them as much in a road situation. Remember, they only produced 17 points in their opener. And as you said in the open here, San Francisco is dealing with injuries to their offensive line and also their wide receiving core. That may signal here a high volume of running plays. Of course, on the other side, uh, Joe Flacco, he's going to see limited action here for the Broncos. And, of course, this will be the third preseason game. And uh, they've scored 14 points in each game. And, of course, uh, the backup for the, for the Ravens, Kevin Hogan, does not look well. Dulock needs some development. As you kind of alluded to, the points in uh, the games for both of these teams, the 49ers only scored 17 in their opening win against the Cowboys. Uh, the Broncos only 28 points in two games. Uh, what do you see for the total in this one? Yeah, the total here is 41. I see it going under the total. As we said here, the 49ers on the road. Yes, their quarterbacks had some NFL experience from uh, last season. But again, they're going on the road. It's a different environment here in Denver facing a a defensive-minded coach here in Fangio. So, of course, this is the first home game for the Denver Broncos, so they'll be up. And I think the defense will be up to play for this one because I think Fangio wants to show this their fans here the defense. Of course, they're breaking in Joe Flacco here. I don't see him playing a whole lot. Emmanuel Sanders, boy, we got some light news. He's coming off the ACL tear, but he expects to play. But, again, I don't expect to see him do much, maybe just run some patterns, just, again, test the speed of the game. I don't know if he's in the greatest game shape here. So uh, there's some news that just hit. Uh, there is some fire on this Broncos team. I saw where Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders got into a fight at one of these practices. Uh, I think uh, Philip Lindsay was the one throwing punches at, at one of these practices as well. So it seems like this team's fired up. Yeah, they're a bit fired up. And of course, uh, 
Yeah, it, and it's also their, their, their first home game. And, of course, the, the strength for this Broncos is on the defensive side of the football. And I think this is where I think where they're going to carry it here. Of course, the 49ers, uh, again, with those inexperienced quarterbacks, uh, you know, well, I would say on the road, I'm a little concerned about Mullins here in Bethard. Of course, they've got something to play for, Chelsea. I don't know if you heard, but the XFL, they're targeting these practice squad players. And they're going to be paying anywhere from 250000 to 600000 of these to their quarterbacks. Uh, and, and, you know, practice squad players make only 130000 So these second and third string jobs may be a little more interesting this year with the XFL looking to sign, their, sign quarterbacks. At least they got to sign seven more. Very interesting. So who are you taking in this one? We're going to go ahead and take the under the 41 in this game. Okay, so you're not taking a team, just the under. Just the under in this one. All right. Uh, let's uh... – is there any other well, X look, factors? Sorry, yeah. I, I'm so used to having multiple games that I'm wanting to Yeah, we're going to take a look here. I want to kind of give you the overall look at what happened over the week here uh, from, uh, in preseason. We saw the underdogs go 9-4 and four against the spread. Uh, many pundits believe here in week two that the, uh, there was, the totals were too high, a little bit of overreaction from week one. Of course, the unders coming in 9-6. and six. Again, with a lot of those joint practices, we see the unders came in, especially like that Ram-Cowboys game. And, man, the Rams decided to, to, to rest 20 starters. The Cowboys weren't that interested. I mean, this was their, their they were going home after, after uh, this game. Remember, they, they, they conducted their practice in Oxnard, California. So uh, they, they were motivated just getting back. And of course, uh, what can you say about this uh, Ravens team continuing to cover? I think they've won like 14 straight preseason games. Right. And, uh, you know, we're looking here at the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. They've scored only 10 points in two preseason games. That's the least amount, but they're not really playing any starters. Uh, are these Jacksonville Jaguars? Their point differential worse than the preseason at minus 43. I know with a lot of these teams' offenses, they don't really want to show their hand too much because they don't want to see, uh, or they don't want other teams to see their plays. I know Cliff Kingsbury was mentioning that a little bit, maybe as an excuse of <laughs> why uh, that offense looks so terrible, even though I think it's more the offensive line than anything. Were there any other trends you noticed uh, maybe differences from week one to week two. I know you mentioned joint practices being a factor. Well, I think we've got to look at some of the team trends, like the Bears, 0-2 against the spread in the preseason. Head coach Mike Nagy wants no nicks and scratches on his first team defense when the regular season begins. He sat his first spring defense. You know, only four defensive starters played in week one. Mitchell Trubisky has not thrown a pass in the preseason. I think what happens is Nagy saw the schedule and said, look, we got to play Green Bay on a Thursday night. And we, don't, we, want to, we want no nicks and scratches. We want to be 100% ready for the Green Bay Packers. So, again, we've seen the Bears fail to cover the spread. Of course, we talked about Baltimore now 32-15 against the spread under John Harbaugh. Cleveland has won 9 of 10 preseason games. And, of course, Atlanta under head coach Dan Quinn now 0-11 straight up in the preseason. And we look at the Patriots. Man, they've scored 262 points in their past 10 preseason games. That math works out to 26 points a game. Are there any other um, oh consistencies you've noticed? I know we talked about head coaching personalities. Uh, Harbaugh is obviously a guy that apparently likes to win in the preseason. Meanwhile, Dan Quinn apparently doesn't really uh, put too much stock in it for some reason or another. Uh, are there any other consistencies you've noticed? I've noticed here with John Gruden now 5-1 and one straight up in the preseason. Now we're coming up to week three. Here's where the trends are. Because uh, in the dress rehearsal, the majority of NFL coaches will play their starters into the third quarter to help work on conditioning to play a full game. Also, they want to see how their team performs coming off the halftime break. And uh, these, I'll give you some week three trends here. Philadelphia 8-1 to the spread of the past nine. Seattle 7-1 to the spread past eight. Dallas 0-5 past five. 
and Miami, one and seven ATS, their past eight games. This, these are the dress rehearsal games in week three where you play a lot of your starters. A couple of other, other, other negative trends here. Miami, one and seven. Buffalo, one and six. And the Raiders, one and five. So when you play your starters deep, we're starting to see some of the bad teams really uh, play, perform poorly in these uh, week three pre, uh, preseason games. Right. It almost looks like it's uh, mirroring the regular season a little bit more now as opposed to maybe week one where it was anybody's ball game and you can kind of see uh, it's just a, a, a free-for-all when it comes to the fourth quarters uh, in some of these late games. Uh, before we go, we do want to mention we do have our early bird season passes now on sale for 25% off on the website. That is through the end of the month. That's on the website, picksandparlays.net. Again, we'd like to thank Tony T for joining us for his wisdom. And again, that pick was the under for tonight's Broncos and 49ers game. We're back after the break on Picks and Parlays Radio. Welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. I am your host, Chelsea Messenger. You can find me every day on Twitter. My handle is just my name, at Chelsea Messenger. Right now, let's get to some college football with Craig Trapp. We are talking opening weekend in college football and Purdue at Nevada. It's Friday, August 30th. These two teams had similar records last season. Purdue 6-7 and seven in the Big Ten. Nevada 8-5 and five in the Mountain West. Uh, Craig, hello there. Uh, initial thoughts on this one. Uh, hello, Chelsea. It's been a, a long time for football to be going, but it's uh, back this week. Of course, just a few games on uh, Saturday to start us off that we've already covered here. And you can, of course, get those uh, at our social media channels. But this one, Purdue and Nevada, you know, this line opened up and a little suspicious. The line opened up at uh, home underdog at 10 points. Uh, Purdue's uh, minus 10 here, and the total set at 58. Most of the places out there, have uh, the numbers are pretty similar as far as the side. I do see DraftKings has it at, at 9, uh, but nothing higher than 10. And the total started at 58. It's all the way up to 59.5 at several places in town and 58.5 uh, at most of the others. So, you like the, the under, you maybe want to wait on that one. It looks like the total is moving up in this matchup. Okay, so look, let's look at, at these two teams. It looks like Purdue uh, last season was really inconsistent. They could knock off the big dogs like Ohio State and Iowa and Nebraska. They beat those teams, but then they would lose to Eastern Michigan. So it's kind of an up-and-down thing for Purdue and a team that did not have a great defense. Uh, I believe they gave up 452 yards per game on average. So not a great defense for Purdue. Maybe that's why that total is so high. Uh, what other things do you see about Purdue this year? Well, Purdue, obviously, Jeff Brom got the big contract extension. Louisville tried to hire him uh, back to his alma mater. Didn't get him. And uh, now I think the expectations are ramped up here. He had that huge recruiting class. I think it was 2014. And uh, 2015, one of them, and I, you're starting to see that on offense. They're loaded at, at receiver and tight end. Um, you know, probably the biggest name, maybe in the Big Ten that nobody's heard of, is is Rondell Moore. 
big season last year, expect it even bigger as a sophomore season. And I think even though they're having a new quarterback this year, um, you know, he does have experience. Uh, Simbar, I think, will be just fine. And I expect the offense to be good. It's just a matter of the defense can can uh, come into shape here. They did lose seven starters on defense, which I don't know if it's a positive or a negative when you allow. <laughs> they weren't that good last game. year. <laughs> right. Uh, and another thing, Nevada is filling some very big shoes at quarterback. Last season, they had a, a Ty Ganji who had 66 career touchdowns there. Uh, an incumbent guy that did very well for their offense. This year they've got Carson Strong, a guy that's coming in at quarterback who has not started a game since 2016. Uh, he only played one game last season, and it was one pass against Portland State. And he even sat out his entire senior season uh, in high school. So it's been a long time since he's seen uh, game action for an extended period of time, especially, especially in a season opener against a big-time team like Purdue. I don't know if Purdue's a big-time team, but I, they're from a big-time conference. We'll give them that. But I think Well, for you know, Nevada, it's freshman, a big-time team. This would be a yeah, huge and, win you know, for them. Oh, it would be. Because you don't get the Big Ten teams to, to come there to do an opening game. So that's the key. You know, two years ago, I think it was 2016, these teams faced off. Um, it was a close game, though, 24-14. Uh, Purdue won at home. Now this is the return game here. And, I, you know, I'm actually – I think Carson Strong will be just fine. I love this – Coach Jay uh, Norvell has done – you know, each year they've gotten a little better here. That air raid offense can put up points. I don't think that will be a problem here. I, I like the running game. I think they have plenty of depth on the offensive line. They might have the best two tackles um, in the Mountain West. Um, you know, so I think that's a positive. They are – uh, replacing the interior offensive line, but they, at least some of those guys did see action last year. So I think they'll be fine on offense. The defense saw big improvements, and that's where the key was last year is that they finally started to not allow what Purdue did last year, which was 30-plus points every game. Right. Purdue definitely needs to get a little better when it comes to their defense. I remember last season in the Music City Bowl, they gave up 63 points to Auburn, 56 points in the first half alone, granted, Auburn is a little different than Nevada, uh, but still, yeah, the defense is a problem. And hopefully, you know what, hopefully this year they can be a little better for their sake. But you said the line is uh, 10 points? 10. Yeah, let's remember this team went 1-3 and three down the stretch. So last year they had, a, they had a very good season going. They went 1-3. and three. They lost 41-10 to 10 at Minnesota, 47-44 to 44 at, uh, at home against Wisconsin. And then they did win 28-21 uh, against in, at Indiana to finish the regular year. And then, like you said, the Music City Bowl was an absolute disaster. And, you know, there was some distraction there because at that point they were, you know, a lot of rumors that, that Coach Brom might go to Louisville. So maybe the team was a little distracted. But the defense is a major problem. And, like I said, they lose seven starters. So maybe that's a positive here. But the one big thing I, I think a key in this game is under Brom the last two years, they're 0-2 to start out the year. They've lost both of these games. Last year was a really exciting game against Northwestern. And, you know, so I expect uh, maybe a little struggles early here. And I just think it's a little too many points. So I'm going to take Nevada here plus the 10. I think Nevada's a little better than what uh, maybe people give them credit for. And at home as a home, home underdog opening week, we're going to take Nevada. All right. Craig is taking Nevada in that one plus 10. Let's move on. Virginia Tech at Boston College, a big ACC matchup here. Virginia Tech uh, last season, 6-7. and seven. It was their first losing season since 1992. 
Uh, Boston College 7-5 last season under Steve Adazio. Uh, they beat Virginia Tech 31-21 uh, in their 2018 matchup. How do you see this one lining up, and what is the line? Well, the opening line here was Virginia Tech a minus 2.5, um, which it's pretty steady there. I do see some threes out there at uh, Bet365 and DraftKings, but there's a lot of 2.5s out there. So uh, if you like the favorite, I would definitely get in on now before these all go up. The total set at 57 to open that, and I see that pretty steady. So um, if you're a totals player, I don't think there's any rush to get in on the over or the under in this one. Virginia Tech is coming off, like I mentioned, their first losing season since 92. Uh, a lot of people see them having a bounce back season just because Virginia Tech is one of those teams that recruits well. They traditionally have a lot of talent, and they're generally one of the better teams in the ACC. I know they've undergone some drama. I think nine players have transferred. That's been a big source of gossip at Virginia Tech, uh, how Justin Fuente can turn it around this season. Uh, do you see them being better this year? And I know they're a favorite, but they're still not a Virginia Tech team that we've seen in the past. Well, the question for me is, there was, I mean, it's not just rumors. The, there, it's a fact that there's was a big issue in last year's offseason. So a lot of those players that transferred were basically asked to transfer from what it sounds like. And so, you know, sometimes that is a positive. You get away from those distractions, players that may be causing issues or problems. Wasn't a good year last year, but a lot of it was due to injuries. Um, and they were the 61st ranked offense as far as scoring 29.8 points per game. So usually with the great defense that they've had in the past, that would be fine. But last year, Coach Bud Foster's defense really banged up. 85th ranked defense allowing 30.7 points per game. That's got to turn around this year. They do return nine starters on that defense, including four of their top five tacklers. Whether that's a good thing or not, we shall see. But if they're young guys, which I think a lot of them were, uh, that means another year of experience under their belt. And maybe they be, they'll be better this season. I think for Boston College, uh, their run game is incredibly strong. A.J. Dillon is an NFL prospect at running back. Uh, he was a two-time first-team all ACC running back, uh, 1,000 yards rushing last season, 10 touchdowns. So it'll be interesting for me to see how the Virginia Tech run defense attacks Boston College. Well, the defensive line is the issue for uh, Virginia Tech, or the question at least coming in this year. So that will be answered very quickly. Like you said, Dylan might be, well, a lot of people are saying he's an outside chance to win uh, the Heisman here, or at least be a Heisman candidate uh, come the end of the year. So. That will be a big test. I do think at least um, for Virginia Tech, the Boston College is returning, uh, I believe, just uh, one offensive line starter from last year. So there'll be a little question mark, I think, for the run game and pass protection for Boston College. Do you see this game going any differently than last season when Boston College won at 31-21? Uh, yeah, I think this year it's, just a, it's a lot different team. Both of these, Virginia Tech was just so banged up last year. I mean, this was, uh, they played on 11-3-2018. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was probably like their third to last game of the regular season. And, you know, Virginia Tech just wasn't quite the same team after the first three or four games last year. I think Virginia Tech's going to have a big year. I really do. I think they're going to have a big year on defense because Bud Foster, this is his last year. He's already announced his retirement. Um, you know, he is a legend in the coaching world on defensive side of the ball. And I can't see him going out 
I think if he knew this defense wasn't going to be very good, he would have just retired in the offseason. So if he's coming back, that tells me he's probably expecting a big turnaround. And I think that defense is going to be much better. Although, like I said, they do have defensive line issues. That's going to need to be uh, answered in this first week. So do we have a total on this game? Yeah, the total is 57, I believe. Uh, yes, 57. Um, I, you know, I would probably go under in this game. The last uh, head-to-head, their Hokies are three and one straight up, um, and two and two as far as against the spread the last four years. But the under is is uh, three and one. So including last year going under, last year's total was set at 57, and they it was 31-21. So I think the under is a nice play, but I think my better play is we're going to take Virginia Tech minus the two and a half points. Did you say they were two and a half minus two and a half yeah. Virginia Tech? Yeah. Yes. All right. That is what Craig is taking Virginia Tech at minus two and a half for that Virginia Tech and Boston College ACC matchup. And in our first game, if you were not listening, he is taking Nevada plus 10 over Purdue in college football opening weekend. We are back after the break with some baseball talk. Stay with us. And welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here at the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. I'm your host, Chelsea Messenger, on this fine Monday afternoon. Let's get to some baseball. We've got Joe Duffy joining us to talk a little baseball. Hello, Joe. How you doing, Chelsea? Yeah, great first two segments about pro football and college football, but a lot of money to be made tonight and certainly, uh, you know, for the rest of the year in Major League Baseball as well. All right, so let's dive into these games. Let's start with the Washington Nationals and the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Nationals have been red hot lately. They've scored 30 runs in their past two games alone. Meanwhile, the Pirates, you know what? They've lost two of three to the Cubs in their last series, not a team that is trending upward, and they've lost 26 of 33 since the All-Star break. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, talk about red hot, Chelsea. The Washington Joe Ross hasn't had a very good year. 5.91 ERA, a horrid 378 on-base percentage against. However, however, conversely, lately, a stunning 0.50 ERA, 261 on-base percentage um, against in his last three. He's been better on the road than at home this year. So that's certainly this late in the season. That's kind of odd. Uh, 315 on-base percentage on the road compared to 455 at home. So that looks very well for him as far as the splits are concerned. Meanwhile, for the Pirates, Trevor Williams, 5.25 ERA and a 330 on base percentage against. And he's even colder over his uh, recent outings. He's given up 11 runs in his last 10 innings pitch and an on base percentage of 400 against over his last three starts. So clearly Washington, not only the hotter team, but they also have the hotter pitcher. Right. I think I read somewhere where Ross had tweaked his mechanics uh, when it came to his pitching, and maybe that's the reason for this sudden change when it comes to success. Because as you mentioned, uh, in his last three, he's 3-0. and uh, He's also gotten a little bit of run support, and when you have a .5 ERA, obviously it's a lot easier to win ball games. Meanwhile, the Pirates, uh, Trevor Williams, as you mentioned, has not been good as of late. Are there any other factors you see uh, playing in this one? Yeah, well, Chelsea, as far as that's concerned, I also 
believe the old adage, old Yogi Bearism, 90% of the game is half mental. They almost <laughs> always find something in, in the pitcher's motion when he's struggling. They say, do this slight adjustment. And whether or not it truly works mechanically, I think it works in their head. And that's one of the reasons. Yeah, right, my system here, essentially it says, riding hot road teams that are not underdogs of $1.05 or more, very impressive, 234 and 131 since 2017. That's plus 66.96 units and a 13.6 ROI. And that would favor Washington. And uh, Chelsea's my clients know at picksandparlays.net. I'm a big system player's advanced analytics. So, you know, it seems whether it's the advanced analytics or whether it's more organic stuff all seems to point towards Washington. So what's the line on this one? Uh, 118. So I'll be laying a 118. So, you know, fairly small number on the road. All right. That is our pick for the Nationals-Pirates game. Let's move on to the Brewers and the Cardinals. The Brewers, on the flip side, are the team that gave up 30 runs to the Nationals in the past two games. So they're pitching, not trending upward. Zach Davies taking the mound for the Brewers tonight, 8-5, and 3-7-4 ERA. Uh, but since returning from the IL, he has allowed 17 earned runs in his last three starts. Uh, Dakota Hudson going for the Cardinals, 11 and 6, 382 uh, ERA for St. Louis. Uh, how do you see this one lining up? Yeah, and, and in addition to what you said, uh, over his last three starts, Davis also had uh, a uh, 400 on base percentage against and a two whip. Neither one of those are very good. He actually knows another one of these guys. That's been substantially better on the road, 2.97 road ERA compared to that um, to 466 at home. Although his on base percentage and his whip are about the same, he's also been better at night uh, compared to the day, 267 night ERA compared to 491 during the day. Now, in the case of uh, Watson, the Cardinals, you know, they've been winning uh, with him. They're 17 and 8, although his overall numbers are okay, but he's been struggling lately, 410 on-base percentage over his uh, last three starts. So neither one of these pitchers are really in much of a groove, that's for sure. Right. It would be hard for me to put a lot of faith in the Brewers pitching staff right about now uh, just because when you do give up that many runs in such a, a short span of time, and especially I believe that game went 14 innings uh, against the Nationals, I think it was on Saturday, uh, they've been calling up guys from AAA left and right just to try to get innings from people. So it's going to be a tough stretch for the Brewers trying to recover uh, from using all of those pitchers, uh, especially against a Cardinals team that has a lot to play for. Uh, they haven't made the postseason uh, in three years, and they're right in the thick of things. Do you think they have more to play for when it comes to emotions? I know you're a big sabermetrics guy, but do you think that plays a factor? Yeah, but remember, Chelsea, I've actually said that one of the biggest myths, and I do have some, some cases where we can put that in the systems, that's very dangerous once you get late in the year and you start betting the teams that quote-unquote need it more. As I always say, they wouldn't be in a quote-unquote must-win situation if they were winning those uh, must-win games. So I, I really don't put tons of stock in that because I found that, you know, really the more uh, loose teams, uh, the teams that have more pressure on them are usually the teams to go against. Right, I guess you could say that. Even though it's the Brewers and the Cardinals and the Cubs, uh, it seems like they're all the same teams. Because, I mean, the Brewers, yeah, they've been trending downward, but they're still 64 and 60. They're still a good ball, ball club. It's just, like I mentioned, the pitching is where I have trouble putting my faith on them tonight. So what are you taking and what's the line? 
Yeah, the um, what you said actually leads to a nice system. When a team is off of a run, a, a loss of seven runs or more, they're a good fade. The next game on the run line of a 107.75 units and a 12.2 return on investment. So I'm going to go with St. Louis minus the one and a half, but getting back the 155. So St. Louis on the run line. All right, taking St. Louis on the run line in that one. Moving on to the Kansas City Royals and the Baltimore Orioles, two teams that are not playing for much. They're uh, very much the seller dwellers of baseball, uh, but we can still win some money when betting on these two teams against each other. Uh, Jorge Lopez, 1-7 with a 6-5-1 ERA, going against John Means, who is 8-8 eight eight with a 3-7-6 ERA, which is actually pretty good. Uh, for a losing team, but he has lost his past three starts and he hasn't lasted four innings in his past three. What's the line on this one and how do you see it playing out? Yeah, you are correct, Chelsea. Both of these teams have been uh, struggling. Um, in the case of uh, Lopez, he's both a starter and a reliever. He's had 30 appearances, 11 of them as a starter, but in his most recent start after returning to the starting rotation as a spot starter. He gave up five runs, four of them earned in one and the third innings pitch. 6.51 ERA. His numbers are actually less horrible on the road. Means 10 earned runs his last seven and the third innings pitch. Uh, however, he's really respectable. Uh, six and three at home with a three ERA and a 260 on base percentage against and a 1.03 uh, whip. You know, it's funny. I was listening to uh, Brent Musburger's uh, network today and they're saying, you can, how can you possibly go with Baltimore as a favorite. Favorites that have lost 12 out of 13, um, at least 12 out of 13, or 21 and 20 all-time on the run line, plus 28 return on investment. So a lot of my best systems are counterintuitive. All in all, two terrible pitchers, two ice-cold teams, Kansas City hitting just 215 in the last 10, Baltimore hitting just 238. With a total of 10 and a half, I'm going to go with the under here. I like the uh, total. What was the total, you said? A uh, ten and a half. Ten and a hook, as we like to say. Ten and a hook. I will say John Means, uh, in those past three starts that have been a little terrible, two of those were against the Yankees. So that was a hot-hitting team. And we know how much the Yankees own the Orioles. It seems like they're always hitting a ton of home runs yeah. against them. And the Royals are not the Yankees. So <laughs> that's also uh, yeah. something to consider. Uh, those are our baseball plays. Uh, I just wanted to ask real quick, uh, how do you think betting games this time of year is different than maybe in April, or do you see it being different? No, I definitely think it is, Chelsea, and I do have some um, computer systems stored that say this, but essentially dogs are even better late in the year because of exactly what I was talking about. Most people want to bet on the better team. Most people want to bet on the teams that have a chance at making the playoffs and bet against the teams that have no realistic chance at making the playoffs. So you really have to suck it up. You know, it's no guts, no glory, I think, uh, would probably be more accurate. The deeper you go into the season, sometimes you got to go with those bad teams. And in no small part, some of these guys are fighting for their major league lives. So they have plenty to play for, even if it's not in the standings. Right, I can definitely attest to that. Every guy on every roster is always trying to do well. No one is trying to lose, uh, especially yeah. some of these guys that are hoping to stay in the big leagues, uh, especially all the guys on the Orioles. I can tell you yeah. that all the pitchers on that staff are really trying to yeah. do well because if they do well there, 
you know what, they could go to another team next year and play for a contender. We've seen guys like Dan Straley uh, pitch for bad teams and then get traded and play for other teams and do mm -hmm. well and really turn that into a big league career. Uh, so these guys are playing for things. It's not like they're just piddling around and, and just throwing up meatballs, or at least they're not trying to. Are there any other trends you've noticed this season? I know the juiced ball is a big talk of the town when it comes to home runs and the over. Do you think that's uh, overplayed? Do you think the over has hit more this year? Well, the, the, it's actually turning around because clearly the odds makers are catching up to them. You normally wouldn't have, like in previous years, when you have two offenses this bad, regardless of the pitchers, you wouldn't be getting a total of 10 and a half. But yeah, there's no question that the totals are going way up, certainly early in the year where the sharps were maybe a little bit ahead of the curve. But if anything, uh, you know, I, I don't really like to make general predictions, but I think that I wouldn't be surprised if more like 52% of the games for the rest of the year wind up going under because so many people are adjusting. And I've also, I know how it is. There have been so many heartbreaking losses on unders in the ninth inning this year that it's more painful to bet unders than it is to bet overs. But I still think the Sharps will, will suck it up and I wouldn't be surprised if, like I said, from this point on, if it's more of an under uh, trending, uh, you know, that the under would be the sharp play. But that's, you know, it's still a game-by-game -game type thing, but I would expect more games will go under than over from this point on. And we've seen the, the, the run lines and the totals have gone up. Uh, I've seen, I know in a game in Colorado, sometimes the total is 14 and a half. So it's not like they're not adjusting these. So, yeah, they're scoring more runs. But the lines are uh, accommodating that, it seems like. Uh, are there any other trends that you've noticed uh, when it comes to uh, – we never talk about first five-inning bets. Is that something yeah. you take, or is that something you stay away from? No, it's, it's not. It really just goes back to the fact that, you know, I've been betting for so long. It used to be with the local guys, you couldn't bet that. And then the truth is, especially as somebody who's more into advanced analytics – uh, most of my systems really are with full games. Now, that being said, you know, I still like to use box sheets. It's not as good as it used to be, but they have some pretty good first five inning things. But, you know, the software that I use, the uh, sports databases, they don't even do the first five innings. I know that the, the Bet Labs does do, you know, some of the first five inning stuff. But I do think that, you know, I, I really handicap teams more than a lot of other handicappers do. But when it comes to five inning stuff, I would look a lot more, of course, at the starting pitching. And I think that's one of the reasons why other people like five inning bets more than I do, because they weigh the starting pitching a little bit more heavier than I do. I think that, that the sharps will actually weigh the team angles because the odds makers weigh too heavily the starting pitcher. So I'm not, I'm not really a first five innings guy, but it's a long answer, a long way of saying that. <laughs> Well, I was just wondering why we never talk about it because it is a bet and it is an option. Yeah. Uh, those are our picks for baseball. We're taking, uh, did you say the Orioles? In the Orioles no, no, no. I'm, I'm taking that game under. I'm going to take that game uh, under. And then um, St. Louis minus the one and a half, but we're getting back $1.55. And then Washington minus the 118. All right. Those are our picks. We're back after the break on Picks and Parlays Radio.
Welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network on this Monday afternoon. We had a great show for you guys. If you were paying attention, we talked about NFL football, we talked about baseball, and we talked about college football. Don't worry if you were sleeping on us. We've got you covered. We're about to recap all of our picks from today's show, starting off with Monday Night Football from Tony T. Uh, the 49ers and the Broncos were taking the under in that one to hit under 41 points total. Moving on to college football opening weekend, Craig Trapp told us to take Nevada at plus 10 over Purdue and Virginia Tech, Boston College, taking Virginia Tech at this one, minus two and a half in that big ACC matchup. Moving on to MLB with Joe Duffy, who always has some great stats for us. Uh, Washington, Pittsburgh, take the Nats, the hot team that scored 30 runs their past two games at minus 118. Milwaukee, St. Louis, take the Cardinals on the run line at minus one and a half at plus 155. Uh, and the Royals and the Orioles, two teams that are not playing for much this time of the year. But you know what? They can still win us some money. We're taking Baltimore uh, and also the under to hit 10 and a half. So less than 10 and a half runs in that one as always. We'd like to thank you for joining us. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. If you, if you search Picks and Parlays, we're very easy to find. And you can find us here every weekday, Monday through Friday, 1 Pacific, 4 Eastern on Picks and Parlays Radio. Bet, win, repeat. We're back tomorrow with more football talk, more baseball talk, and more stuff to win you money. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.